Hi, I'm Beck Rayner and this is the Military Wife Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports and embraces the women behind the military men by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. This episode of the Military Wife Life Podcast is brought to you by Defence Bank. Have you been impacted by bushfires? As the bushfire emergency continues, Defence Bank are thinking of all its members and their families in the fire-affected areas of Australia. If any members are experiencing financial hardship as a result of the bushfires, Defence Bank want you to know that you can count on them for support. Defence Bank encourage you to contact them on 1800 033 139 when the time is right to find out how they can help you in your time of need. Traumatic events and natural disasters like the fires that have swept across a lot of areas in multiple states can have a significant impact on our mental health and well-being. Even if we haven't been directly affected but have just watched on or our military member has been recalled and deployed to those affected areas or maybe you have a family member who is a volunteer firefighter or first responder, or like me, I have family who have been directly affected and for over a week I hadn't been able to have regular or proper contact with them to really gather whether they were okay. And it's still too dangerous for me to get to them, to really support them or help them, which leads me to feel really uneasy, stressed and anxious. And I can only imagine that there are a lot of others out there feeling the same. So today I'm so thankful that clinical psychologist and CEO and founder of the Sydney Anxiety Clinic, Dr. Jody Lowinger, has graciously come onto the podcast at the last minute to provide us all with some valuable information in regards to coping with our feelings and looking after our mental health and well-being during this time. So welcome, Jody. Hi, Beck. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to help the community because it's been uh, something that I've been wanting to do. So yeah, really great to speak with you all. Thank you so much. So how do we come to grips with the fact that our military members or first responders are being sent into locations that are still not 100% safe? Obviously, we know our partners know what they're doing when it comes to their jobs, but military members and first responders aren't firefighters. How can we work through any feelings of unease? especially when we see 24-7 coverage in the media. So we have a picture in our heads of what they're facing and how unpredictable and dangerous it can be in some of those areas. There's certainly strategies that we can do to help deal with that stress. And one of the first things is recognising that all feelings are okay in these situations. It's really normal and just part of our normal human response to be stressed, to be uneasy and agitated in these situations. If we acknowledge those experiences, those feelings and respond to those feelings with kindness and compassion to ourselves and to our loved ones rather than saying oh you know I shouldn't be feeling this way I should just get on with it that can be very helpful so responding with compassion and kindness is first and foremost and then it is about thinking am I getting too caught up 
in that worry spiral. So it is about noticing what your thoughts are saying and building in that awareness. Is worry saying it's going to be a catastrophe, this is a disaster? It's noticing what worry is saying, what that worry story is, and getting a bit of distance from that worry story. Because typically when we follow the worry story that's playing out in our mind, it doesn't necessarily go down a very helpful path. Commonly, it takes us to worst case scenario, and then that can trigger some pretty high anxiety. So the first step is noticing when worry is taking hold, and then can you move from thinking about worry into moving towards a problem solving and action planning approach? This can help us to feel a lot more empowered. And with that problem solving action planning approach, it's thinking about what is in your control here. There will be many elements that are out of your control, but there will be certain things that you can do to help you feel more empowered and help you feel more in control. And so it's focusing in on that and building up an action plan to help you to say, this is what I can't do, but this is what I can do and how to really focus in on those things. And following on from that is, I guess, the fact that our first thought is, will our military member or first responder or volunteer firefighter be okay? And what impact will that have on our loved one? But then how do you balance that with the guilt of wanting to keep your person safe with there being a bigger and more important overall need of helping those who have been directly impacted by a natural disaster, or in this case, the fires in Victoria and New South Wales? How do you sort of balance those feelings of, you know, that a job needs to be done, but you also want your loved one to stay safe? Yeah, guilt is another one of these feelings that is a really unhelpful one in these sorts of situations because clearly when we're thinking logically we can recognize that guilt is pretty unfair and unreasonable because of course you're going to feel stressed and of course you're going to feel concerned and wanting your loved one to be close to you and and not be exposed to the stress and the challenging scenario that they're involved in and so if you can again like with worry notice when guilt is taking hold and just changing that and letting go of that guilt and recognizing that it is okay to be feeling stressed. It's okay to have these feelings and recognizing that what can I do instead of this guilt, which is actually really quite mean to ourselves, is how can we respond with self-compassion and kindness to say, this is a really tough life experience. It's a horrendously tough life experience for the individual, um, your loved one or a friend or another member of the community and instead of overlaying that with guilt saying okay this is tough how can I be kind to myself in this situation how can I actually bolster my resilience by engaging in healthy and helpful actions typically often it's about respecting the mind-body connection and saying okay I'm feeling stressed right now stress is a natural understandable response to this challenge life situation. I'm going to do things that look after myself and to mitigate that stress. I'm going to do exercise. I'm going to make sure that I'm sleeping okay. I'm going to make sure that I look after myself by eating well. I'm going to limit trying to numb those difficult emotions. Maybe, you know, sometimes people can turn to quick fixes such as alcohol or, you know, other other ways to just numb difficult emotions, which is typically not helpful. How can I take time out to recharge? And one of the most powerful and effective things to do is 
is connect, connect with loved ones, connect with friends, connect with community. And whether you're part of the military community or other communities, what we can really gain strength from is the power of community. And if we think about what's going on in Australia at the moment and what gives me an overwhelming sense of pride is the magnificent sense of community that is really at play at the moment in our national sense of community and how people have rallied around to support one another, both in a very, you know, in a financially charitable way, with material goods and just being there to love and support one another. So it's how can we tip that focus back onto the positives and recognise the wonderful sense of resilience that can be be received by uh, just being there for one another. Gathering from what you've already said is the main takeaway is that your feelings are valid and acknowledging those feelings helps you move forward from those instead of, I guess, sitting in them. Yeah, that's spot on. If we validate, acknowledge those feelings, uh, we stop the struggle with the difficult feelings. And really when we are feeling stressed and anxious, it activates this part of our brain, the amygdala, which is the fight or flight part of our brain. It's our brain responding to threat. And when it's a worry thought, it's a perceived threat. But in this situation, you know, there is real imminent danger at play. And so our brain does uh, want to get hijacked by that part of our brain. That's the amygdala, the fight or flight reaction, the stress reaction. And if we struggle with those feelings, we are keeping that part of our brain active we're actually fighting with the worry rather than acknowledging and accepting the worry which typically calms and quietens that stress reaction down it's mindfulness it's about noticing acknowledging and then realigning to helpful value-driven actions which is about surrounding ourselves with things that give us a sense of calm a sense of looking after our well-being and looking after our loved ones. I guess also while we're on the topic of, I guess, acknowledging our feelings and and looking after ourselves during this time, if we have kids, how do we manage what we tell them? How do we explain that our military member or first responder or volunteer firefighter is helping the people who have been affected by this often scary and huge event without worrying them because they may have seen or heard news footage and then maybe feel that their mum or dad or family member is going to be in danger. How do we manage kids and what we tell them and how we also cope with their emotions surrounding this? It's such an important question. First and foremost, uh, we have to look after ourselves as parents. Uh, Looking after your own needs and self-compassion and self-care is critical because we can't pour from an empty glass. So looking after yourself in order to be able to help our children is really important. And children need our strength. In these situations, if there is this kind of pervasive sense of unease that's taking hold in society at the moment, and as you suggested, through what children hear, either from other people talking about it or from what they're seeing on through the media, they need our reassurance and will look to us to see how we are coping. So if we can actually recognize that while all feelings are okay, 
we have a duty of care to give a sense of safety and security, convey these messages to our children. So like with ourselves, we want to acknowledge and accept their feelings and help them to recognize that all feelings are okay. We want to provide a sense of calm and a sense of reassurance and to be there to answer their questions and to give enough information to answer simply and honestly, but not too much information that they might not be necessarily ready to hear. So we want to keep the information to really as concrete and specific as we possibly can and to reinstate hopefulness to also support their resilience by helping our children to connect with others, to engage in friendships, to engage in fun activities, things that give them a sense of value-driven actions as well. And also to help realign our children to thinking about the positives, such as we're doing with ourselves as well. For them to see the magnificent response of uh, Australian society and the global community that we live in now and the wonderful acts of generosity that are being experienced from across the world. So by this, it allows children to get a sense of really the goodness of humankind and to learn about how to support one another in challenging life situations. We really shouldn't be just brushing their feelings aside as, oh, you know, it'll be okay or don't you worry about it, it's fine. Or instead of doing that or I guess exposing them to too much news coverage or coverage on the radio or whatever the case may be, we should be giving them that little bit of information that will help them feel more secure in the situation but in the same token acknowledging their feelings and allowing them to have them as opposed to sort of pushing them aside and correct correct I mean you can certainly use uh, other activities in such a way as you know we're not going to let this get us down we're going to re-engage or engage in things that are fun and positive activities that has the added bonus of being a distraction, but it's not for the purpose of being a distraction because that is really getting hooked into that kind of struggle with the unhelpful things. We don't want to do things just for the purpose of distraction. We want to do things because they are just simply value-driven actions that help us to feel good by the very nature of the things that we're getting on with. So that is very helpful. You want to be cautious as loving parents um, and caregivers to say things to your children that are keeping it honest and keeping it real. So wanting to be cautious of not saying too much that puts you in a position where it's not conveying the complete honest picture, but it's limiting the amount of information that you provide. So it's giving enough to create a sense of certainty and comfort and stability and security amidst the uncertainty, but keeping it concrete. Similarly, with the amount of exposure to the media and exposure to gruesome images or things of that nature, 
just be quietly cautious of that uh, to limit the exposure to those sorts of things because sometimes it can tip into a bit of a preoccupation where all of a sudden it kind of takes hold and there's too much thinking and too much focusing on some of the stories of negative and catastrophic things that are taking place and that can certainly be unhelpful in these situations. Hey Military Wife Life community, I wanted to take this opportunity to say thanks to Defence Bank for supporting the Military Wife Life podcast, but today they actually want to say thank you to you, the spouses on the home front keeping it all together while their ADF members are sent to work in the bushfire aid and support effort. Defence Bank say thank you to those ADF members for their service and thank you to the spouses for supporting those members. Similar to what you mentioned, the steps for adults, uh, acknowledge the feelings, but then maybe step into the next phase, which is problem solving, which creates a sense of empowerment. The same could be said for kids. We could help them feel empowered by, say, helping them decide maybe you might like to use some of your pocket money to donate to a charity, or maybe we can donate some blankets for animal rescue or whatever the case may be, but that gives them a sense of empowerment and allows them to feel like they're helping the problem. Spot on. Uh, and it's really beautiful to do that. You know, I'm certainly doing that with my own children is giving them a sense of, as you say, empowerment and control and teaching really beautiful value-driven actions, acts of generosity and kindness uh, and helping our children's generation to feel like they are doing their bit in a situation that is really challenging for everybody. You mentioned that obviously children need to see and feel our strength in situations like this. What happens to our own well-being when we have, I guess we have to be strong for our extended family or our kids and we have to keep control of our own fear to help others around us what sort of happens with I guess putting on that brave face during the day how does that could that affect our well-being um, is it important to then acknowledge that okay you know now's my time to process what's happening and feel those emotions how do we sort of balance that yeah so to again recognize that this is tough and very important to look after yourselves and because we can't just soldier on we have to be purposeful in looking after our mood and doing things that are evidence-based to help with that emotional spiral that can happen and again it's fitting our own oxygen mask in order to be able to help our children so typically what can be very helpful with that is again um, as mentioned earlier the mind body things so thinking about exercise sleep eating well and connecting with community and people who give us a sense of joy and comfort and you know it's okay to be purposeful in who we choose to surround ourselves with and who we choose not not to surround ourselves with, that's absolutely fine. But then day-to-day -day activities that are known to help to be mood boosters are you know, getting on with things that give us a sense of achievement and mastery. It might not be you know, making these big life decisions, it might just be small acts of practical things and acknowledging some things that, are, that we're getting on with in our day-to-day -day and being proud of yourselves for being able to just you know, tick things off amidst the challenging time that's going 
going on. And it is about doing things that are fun and pleasant and give us a sense of joy every day. Even if you don't feel like it, sometimes you've got to fake it till you make it with mood. Very important. When we're feeling down, what can happen is we want to withdraw and we want to just not do anything. And so if we listen to that and we allow that to boss us around, that makes us feel worse rather than better. So sometimes we have to be quite purposeful in standing up to that and doing things and making these specific choices to instill positive, pleasant actions in our day. Sometimes we actually need to be purposeful in scheduling it into our day to make sure that it happens. Things like acts of kindness are actually really good in boosting our mood. So acts of kindness to oneself and acts of kindness to others. These are evidence-based strategies that can help to uh, look after ourselves in order to be able to uh, be really effective, strong caregivers to our children and our family and our friends. And then I guess, how do we support the military member or the first responder or volunteer firefighter who has been sent in to help following a natural disaster? And at times when the help is critical and the devastation is very real and raw, we're back at home carrying on with our day-to-day and anything happening back home can sort of seem trivial. How do we support them from afar while juggling the needs of everyone else? There's so much that you can do to help a person who's amidst uh, the challenge, whether they are currently in the that environment or whether they've come back from this traumatic life experience. First and foremost, it's just to be there, to really recognize again the power of connection and the power of acknowledging emotions and validating those emotions. So it's really about listening and just not necessarily pushing for the information but providing an opportunity to be there if a person chooses to speak about the experiences that they're going through. And in that, it can be creating an environment or an opportunity for them to speak about it if they choose to, such as saying, how are things going? You know, it must be really tough time for you. So acknowledging their distress and creating that opportunity to connect at an emotional level can be super comforting. And then to provide that reinstatement or reminder of their life and of the things that are going on, reinstating a sense of predictability and control within the day-to-day amidst the challenges that they have been through or the challenges that they continue to be going through. It's just extending that love and that connection and that support is really very powerful. So listening is critical and and not necessarily tipping to problem solving too quickly, but asking what can you do? Is there anything that you can do to help? If we are feeling, I guess, as spouses that um, our loved one who has returned from that situation or seen that devastation or been in an area that was very real and raw, like the, the fires that have recently happened, how can we support them to, to seek professional help? How do we allow them to come to the realisation that they might need a little more help than just from within the home? Yeah, it's recognising that there are stages of trauma and in the initial stages of a person who has been through a traumatic life experience, such as the horrendous things that are going on with the bushfires at the moment, there are many faces to trauma, many different emotional responses that can take hold. And they are 
really predominantly normal human responses to difficult experiences. So in these early stages, it is about providing that sense of connection to loved ones and community and promoting that sense of self-efficacy and belief that there are things that they can do to lead to positive outcomes and to get on with their day-to-day. Promoting a sense of hopefulness is really helpful to say that this, this was absolutely tough and now we will get through it and we'll get through it together. So that in those initial stages is really uh, the most helpful things that you can do. If you feel that there's prolonged challenge that's taking hold, such as withdrawal from day-to-day activities that are out of character with the individual and occurring over an extended period of time or volatility in mood or things such as that, an, an irritability or agitation or sadness or sleep disturbance. These are some indicators to suggest that something more is required, such as engaging with a mental health professional. And it might simply be a first step is perhaps making contact with your GP, with your general practitioner, who is typically really skilled in doing an initial assessment and providing some initial strategies to help. But ultimately, ongoing care with a mental health professional can be incredibly helpful. Typically, there are some very powerful practical strategies that we can do you know, as a, as a doctor of clinical psychology with a focus on stress and anxiety, I work with people who have gone through traumatic life experiences all the time and we see really positive outcome with the right evidence-based treatment for trauma. So please don't hesitate to seek out the help that you need. It's not a weakness. It's actually a strength. It's a brave action to seek out the help that you need and to recognize your worth in looking after yourselves. So it's these kinds of messages that you can convey that can be very helpful to your loved ones coming back from the traumatic work that they've been doing. And then also, I guess, just on that there's a certain expectation that people who have been I guess on the front line and have seen the devastation firsthand or has have been directly affected by the fires you expect that they are obviously going to need support and professional support in some cases but research has also shown that our emotional state can be impacted even if we haven't been directly involved in a traumatic event or disaster just hearing about events can cause huge anxiety for some of us are those feelings okay to have I guess we're sitting in our our lovely homes and we still have a roof over our head we have food and clothes and our life hasn't been impacted but we still have that real sense of sadness and overwhelm in us because we have witnessed it and uh, maybe know of someone who knows someone who was affected but we can still put ourselves in that situation and our kids in that situation and those feelings are real Absolutely. Vicarious trauma is something that we don't want to underestimate. And it is important to recognize that if you are feeling the stress and it's impacting you day to day and it's impacting your sleep or your capacity to get on with life in a way that you would otherwise be engaging in, then you are worth seeking out the help that you need. This is just part of being human. It's not something that is a weakness. It's really hard times at the moment that families are enduring. And if you have got this emotional consequence, that is demonstrating 
having your capacity to to feel to feel at a deep level and uh, naturally this quality of empathy and feeling the difficulty that your loved ones are going through if that is affecting you to a level that's causing you prolonged grief and suffering seek out the help that you need connection is key and Clinical support is, if it's the right practical strategies, can turn things around quickly. It doesn't have to take a long time. Sometimes it might just be a couple of sessions with a mental health professional to help you to realign with getting on with life in a more helpful and a more effective way. Certainly alongside that, you can engage in stress management strategies, such as relaxation strategies, you know, meditation or mindfulness or yoga or things of that nature nature exercise as we mentioned earlier is one of the most helpful things that you can do there are many varied strategies that can be practical and helpful sometimes it might be journaling to sort of get the thoughts out of your mind and and down in a journal this can be a practical strategy as well and problem solving and action planning so all of these things are helpful responses to a challenging life experience all evidence-based and within everybody's right to seek out the practical strategies that work for them and i guess lastly can you talk us through how we can come to terms with our reactions to major events or natural disasters so i mean for instance some people's first response is to decide how they can help and act on that straight away and some people's reaction is shock and to take it in and maybe feel unable or really paralyzed into doing anything but feeling overwhelmed and i guess maybe even sometimes disappointed in themselves that why aren't i like those other people that have already fundraised five thousand dollars and and have done a charity drive and have done all of these things and I'm sitting here just feeling sad and drained and like I can't even watch the news at the moment. How do we come to terms with being one personality over the other? It is a matter of creating that space to reflect on what are the stories that are taking hold in our mind and are they helpful or are they unhelpful? Are they mean and and nasty and bullying stories or are they productive value-driven stories? And certainly some of those things that you've described sound really mean and nasty and, and bullying. And so we have to label that as a story that our mind is telling us and have the capacity to create space to to stand up to that story and realign to what is in our heart and our pull towards things that actually take us forward in a helpful way rather than an unhelpful way. So some of these things is a bit of a double-edged sword. You know, when we are kind, caring human beings, we want to do more. (laughs) We want to do more. And so perhaps the underpinning of some of those stories is this heart-driven kindness that says, I wish I could do more. I want to help more. You know, I I certainly have that story playing out in my mind is when we're feeling like other people are suffering and we just want to help. And then there's the frustration that can kick in because there's only so much that we can do. And sometimes if we are stressed and feeling down, then if we're just recognizing that it is our right to look after ourselves 
and we don't have to change the world and that's okay yeah that's okay there's no right or wrong and there's certainly no one size fits all the bottom line is to recognize the importance of self-compassion and self-kindness and that that's not selfish that is really vastly different from being selfish it's recognizing that in order to be able to get on with our lives self-compassion and self-kindness is values driven and an important act and our right as human beings and i guess maybe realizing that no one is putting those expectations on us but ourselves absolutely it is thinking about that it's about standing up to if they are our expectations that we're putting on ourselves to notice that and also if other people are potentially putting those expectations on us to also embrace assertiveness and stand up to that and that's also our right because everybody has their own way of working through the stress and the secondary trauma and challenge that is evolving out of this very, very difficult life experience that as a national community we're going through. And there's no one size fits all. It is about thinking about what works for you. So long as you're engaging in things that are helping you and looking after yourself, uh, that is very important. And if we can then do things that support the greater community if we have got the capacity to do that then that's a great thing as well of course and i guess those limits might be that we're without our military member because they have been sent away to help with on the front line or uh, the first responder or a family member or a volunteer firefighter so acknowledging that we need to recognize our limits in the fact that we're without that person at home and we're already stretched and stressed during that time that um, nothing else is expected of you but to keep your mental health and well-being in check and look after your family and that's okay to to just focus in on that because sometimes just doing that is all we can handle and in looking after your family that is far from a just doing that you know that's that's a very large responsibility a really challenging role to be a caregiver to to children and to family and to being looking after a household is a tough gig and filled with its challenges and and you've got to look after yourself and you've got to absorb the stress and concern that your children are going through so that is certainly a large responsibility and one worthy of recognizing the strength and the value and importance of that fundamental role in society so there's many hats that we wear as human beings and there's absolutely so long as it's aligned to values and acts of kindness kindness to ourselves kindness to others then we are absolutely not doing anything wrong there. Well, thank you so much, Jody, for coming on the podcast and really giving us the information and some practical tools to help us support our people and support ourselves during such a difficult time. Thank you for the opportunity to speak with the community and to help people who are doing it uh, tough at the moment. I so hope you were able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. 
Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 